Welcome to Kale and Company. We are live. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL, which is 1450 on the AM dial. That's the signal that's been around for, oh, I guess about 76, 77 years now. Uh, 103.9 in the uh, Concord area. Welcome to you. And the newest signal is 101.9 FM in the Manchester area. Booms into Manchester, Goffstown, Bedford, Londonderry, 101.9 on the FM dial. And no matter, no matter where you are in the free world, 24 hours a day, you can hear the station on nhtalkradio.com. So, you know, it's almost difficult to get away from us. Not that we want you to. We want you to be uh, glued uh, to WKXL because we have some great, great programming. And we are live here on this Tuesday evening on WKXL and uh, very happy to be along with uh, NHTalkRadio.com. So my question to myself is, how do I introduce my guest on this program on Kale & Company Live our inaugural Kale & Company Live. I mean, I could go on and on. Author, actor, artist, playwright, singer-songwriter, humorist, editor, commentator. His credits uh, and accomplishments are many. And like I said, we could spend pretty much of the, the rest of the hour uh, just on his resume. But instead, uh, we'll hear from him, Ken Sheldon, a.k.a. Fred Marple. And Ken, uh, we welcome you to Kale and Company Live. It is a delight to have you with us. Great to be here, Ken. Nice to ch- sit down and chat with you again. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. And, and sometimes I don't know whether I'm speaking to Ken or to Fred, but e- either way, right. uh, I, might, I might refer to you both ways uh, <laughs> during the course of our conversation uh, here this evening on Kale and Company Live. And we'll certainly talk about uh, your new book in a moment, but first... In a, in a recent uh, email that you sent me, uh, you mentioned that uh, you once shook the hand of Mo Howard, one of the Three Stooges. I did indeed. How did that come about? We were at uh, Pleasure Island in Wakefield, Massachusetts. Get Are you out. familiar with no, Pleasure I Island? I am. I used to go to Pleasure Island a lot. I lived in Melrose right Melrose, next door. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and we were there one time, and the in the big, uh, they had the outdoor arena or whatever it was, the band show, yeah. the Three Stooges were performing. And then afterwards, we were going home, and we were kind of taking a back way to get to the parking lot, and we were like a back alley behind some buildings. And we were standing around kind of waiting, and I was thinking, what are we doing here? Being a typical eight-year-old kid, can we get going? What are we doing Finally, a back door opens, and these three guys come out, and one of them looks and turns and goes, oh, oh, that's right, and he comes over, and it's Mo Howard. And the other two stooges are heading for the car. They just want to get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently my folks had arranged this ahead of time, and he walks over, and he says, your name is Kenny, right? And he shakes my hand, and I'm standing there going, uh, uh, uh. uh. I'll bet, yeah. <laughs> I was speechless. I couldn't. And then he, we 
chatted for a couple of seconds, and then he took off. So that's how I got to shake hands. With so so Larry, Larry and Curly just split the scene, Literally, right? Literally, Larry yeah. was standing in the saying, come on, Mo, we got to get out of here. Uh, uh, <laughs> on to the next show. They probably had a, another gig in an hour somewhere. Right, right. Uh, but, you know, I don't think I ever saw the Three Stooges at Pleasure Island. I was there quite a bit. Like sure. I said, it was in the next town. Yeah. And I, my one of my biggest thrills at Pleasure Island was meeting Major Mud. Of course. Do you remember Major Mud? Absolutely. Sure. They, you're the one who remembers him. Well, yes. now that it makes two of the us. The Lone Ranger. He was there. Uh, yeah, was we the, saw the Lone Ranger. The Lone there. Ranger. Yeah. Wow. Clayton Moore? Yeah. Wow. The original. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure Rex Trailer was there too. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Wow. Memories of Pleasure Island, Wreck of the Hesperus, yes, and right. all that the treasure that nobody ever found. Right, right. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I, I didn't know we'd be talking about Pleasure Island here tonight. There you go. That was that was a park that uh, really at that time was really ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they tried to be sort of a, a mini Disney, right? Uh, but uh, it didn't last too long. Poor man's Disney. Yeah, yeah. poor man's Disney is right. Yeah, but it was fun. Yes. You know, when you were eight, nine, ten Absolutely. years old, it was Absolutely. memorable. But uh, well, we, we, we found out. Pleasure Island. I would have never guessed uh, Pleasure Island. Well, let me give uh, uh, my audience some background on your, on your brand new book, which is just, uh, just out a couple of weeks ago, Deep Water, Murder, Scandal, and Intrigue in a New England Town. It was released uh, June 15th, and uh, it uh, is dealing with the waning days of World War I. William K. Dean was brutally murdered, his body hogtied and dumped in a rainwater cistern on his farm in Jaffrey, New Hampshire. Uh, suspicion quickly fell on Dean's wife, who was an invalid uh, in the early stages of dementia. Her friends, her friends now, pointed instead to a former tenant of Dean's, who many suspected of being a German spy. Now, remember, this is in the waning days of World War I. Others believe that Dean's best friend, a politically powerful banker and judge, was involved uh, in the murder. Now, this is a true story with uh, all the elements of a classic Agatha Christie mystery with red herrings, multiple suspects, and enough plot twists and turns to keep you guessing until the end. And our guest, uh, Ken Sheldon, is the author. And uh, why uh, were you so intrigued about this story? And uh, what was your inspiration to write uh, Deep Water? If you are from the Monadnock region, and specifically Jaffrey, New Hampshire, you know about the Dean murder mystery, or most people do of a certain age. Uh, it's it, Back in the day, it was a big deal. It was up there with the uh, the Lizzie Borden murders, because murder didn't happen that often. Right. Yeah. And, and Jaffrey is literally mentioned in Our Town, the play. You know, that's, It yeah. was a classic New England town, so mm-hmm. to have somebody murdered in this brutal way was a, a big deal. And uh, the problem was that it, it, the murder was never solved, and there were various accusations, and it split the town in two for years and years and years and years. Well, in 2018 was the 100th anniversary of his death, and the Jaffrey Historical Society asked me if I would do a play uh, about the, uh, the murder. So we got a bunch of people together, and we did it as an audiovisual. Lots of recorded voiceovers, and I was the one-man narrator kind of thing with mm-hmm. visuals. Having done that, I had a ton of information. I had read thousands of pages of FBI reports, grand jury hearings, testimonies, and I thought, this really deserves 
us a book, you know, because I could only in a ninety-minute presentation you can only get a certain right. amount. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that was kind of the the motivation um, for delving into this, and a, a serious, in-depth look at this murder had never really been done before, and uh, so that was a, a part of it also. Wow, you must have spent uh, literally hundreds and hundreds of hours. Uh, researching uh, the murder. I did. Yeah. I, I say to people, imagine you've been given a thousand-piece puzzle to put together. The problem is you don't know what the picture is on the puzzle. You also don't know if you have all the pieces or if some of the pieces that you have even go to this puzzle. Right. <laughs> so an awful lot of time was spent reading everything and then trying to, for example, just set up a chronology of Here's what happened. Here's who saw this. Then this person saw that. You know, and um, so a lot of it was just uh, going through all the information and trying to organize it and make sense of it. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, tell us your your sources uh, of the information. Well, the two biggest sources are uh, the grand jury transcript. There was a, a grand jury uh, investigation mm-hmm. into this, and uh, that like most grand juries, was locked to the public and squirreled away. And then back in the 1980s, a woman named Margaret Bean from uh, Jaffrey uh, happened to come across these uh, uh, notebooks that were written in Pittman shorthand. I don't know if you're familiar with Pittman, but it's like Sanskrit. It's, yeah. The average person you can't read couldn't it. Couldn't decipher it, right. And yeah. it just so happened that she knew how to read Pittman shorthand. Wow. That whole thing is a fascinating story in and of itself, which I cover in the book. And um, so she was able to transcribe this document that had not been seen for 70 or 80 years. And so we get an awful lot of information from that. Um, There was one other book that was written in 1920 by a Boston newspaper reporter named Bert Ford, and he wrote columns about it. And... um, and he put those together into a book. Mm-hmm. And uh, so those were kind of my key things that I used as research, along with FBI mm-hmm. files. Well, we're going to have to take a quick break, but we have just scratched the surface of Ken Sheldon's new book, Deep Water, Murder, Scandal, and Intrigue in a New England Town, right here on WKXL. 1450 AM, 1039 FM, 101.9 on the FM dial in the Manchester area, and nhtalkradio.com. It is Kale and Company live on your radio. WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in the Concord area, 101.9 FM, the signal that booms into downtown Manchester and uh, 24 hours a day, of course, on nhtalkradio.com. Ken Sheldon, author, humorist, actor, singer, songwriter, neat dresser, swell dancer, <laughs> loves, well. loves kids, cats, and dogs. He is with us, a.k.a. Fred Marple, and uh, he has written uh, a fascinating new book that's just out less than two weeks ago, uh, Deep Water, Murder, Scandal, and Intrigue in a New England Town, and it's uh, all about the uh, the murder of uh, William K. Dean, a brutal murdered uh, murder, and uh, how did they find uh, his body? Was it? I mean, you, you describe it as brutal. So yeah, yeah. Um, 
the the day he went missing and his wife started calling people and they brought people up to his farm, which was on an isolated kind of hilltop in Jaffrey. And they were looking around for a couple of hours, and they couldn't find him, uh, didn't know where he was. And then finally, somebody had this idea, well, let's look in the cistern, which was a basically, it's kind of a well, just used to collect mm-hmm. rainwater that they used on the farm, and it had a wooden cover on it. Not the kind of thing, if you didn't know the farm, you wouldn't even know it was there. And they looked in it, and there was water. They poked it with a stick, and they felt something. Then they got an ice pick from the barn, and they pulled it up, and one guy said to the other, yep, he's there, all right. That's how they found him. And uh, the, as you pointed out, the attention first turned to his wife in terms of, of who the suspect uh, might have been. Right. She was a, apparently a lovely lady, but she had senile dementia. Um, at the time, they called it softening of the brain. Um, it wasn't bad, but uh, she, for example, she had trouble uh, remembering words. She would mix words up sometimes. And uh, so uh, she was kind of uh, the most obvious. She was the last person to see him alive. And so she was the first uh, and perhaps the most obvious suspect. Now, just before the break, we were talking about the fact that uh, you got a hold of the grand jury text and uh, what was stated in in the grand jury, and uh, that had to be quite a document in itself in terms of length. It's a very long document, and it's not an easy read, frankly. Uh, uh, Margaret Bean, the woman who transcribed it, uh, did a wonderful job, but the, the court, the hearing itself was very kind of disorganized, and uh, the first time you go through, and it is published, the Jeffrey Historical Society has published it now, and uh, the first time you go through it, you can come out more confused than when you started, and in some ways that may have been by design, mm. the people who were holding the hearing. Wow. So uh, th- this is, is so fascinating because, as you said, it was in what, Pittman Sanskrit or Sh- – uh, yeah. Shorthand. Shorthand, yeah, Like yeah. Sanskrit. Like Sanskrit, <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah. And uh, you found an interpreter who could could – you know, uh, unravel it for Mar- you. Margaret Bean yeah. found an interpreter yeah. oh, who, she did, who yeah. knew the uh, who knew the specific uh, like dialect. Right. Of, uh, and I mean, the interesting thing was that these the, these notebooks were just a pile of them had been locked away in the Keene uh, County Courthouse for okay. years and years yeah. and years, and uh, somebody found them and that they knew she, through some connections that she had some interest and got them to her, and it took a Supreme Court. Uh, judge to say that she was allowed to transcribe these because grand jury hearings are typically locked up, especially if there's no, uh, you know, it doesn't go to court, doesn't go to trial. Uh, the public is not allowed to see them. And even though it was almost 100 years later, she had to get permission from the New Hampshire Supreme Court to, to read these things and transcribe them. Wow, yeah. almost 100 years later, because, right. of course, the murder yeah. took place in 1918. 1918, yeah. A year the Red Sox won the World Series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a couple of, yeah. Of course, there were other, you know, there were other suspects after Mrs. Yes. Dean. Yes, yeah. Um, one of them was a, a former tenant who lived at Dean's farm. And at the time, there were a lot of rumors and reports of lights flashing from Mount Monadnock. And uh People like now, you see these signs, you see something, say something. You right, know? yeah. And President uh, Wilson had uh, 
asked people to be on the lookout for suspicious activity. Well, in the Monadnock region, they surely were. And they were people started reporting seeing lights flashing from the mountain. And the story was, the rumor was, that these lights could be seen all the way in Boston uh, offshore where German ships, U-boats, uh, were, were supposedly prowling. That was the theory anyway. Right. Um, and uh, so... Uh, Again, people were kind of head up about the idea that there might be German spies in the area. And this this guy, uh, his name was Kohlfeldt, he, he was a wealthy, kind of a playboy. He lived very differently than the, the rock-hard Yankees of Jaffrey, New Hampshire right. did. And so people took notice of him and figured, oh, he must be a spy because he's different. He's an outsider, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so tell us uh, a little bit about... Uh William K. Dean, the the man who was in fact uh, murdered. What what did yeah. he do? He was uh, he was educated in New York as a doctor. He went to medical school, but he never actually practiced. Um, his his uh, wife, who was also his cousin, her father was a doctor and Dean's uh, mentor, and uh, she saw what had happened to her father, what the toll took on his life, and basically said to him, if you become a doctor, I won't marry you. And so he got his degree, but he never practiced. Um, they lived in Boston for a while, then they moved to Jaffrey. Uh, they wanted to be in beautiful New Hampshire. And uh, they were a much-loved couple. They were, uh, you know, for, for New Hampshire, they were urbane. They were social. They had summer people would come and visit them. They were loved by everybody. And that was part of the the issue with this this murder was that nobody could figure out why would anybody want to kill William K. Dean. He was friendly, uh, funny. Everybody loved him. Uh, he li- like, as you were saying, kind to animals. Literally, they would yeah. collect stray animals and take care of them. Mm. Um, so that was a big part of the mystery. Is like, well, what's the motive here? Because nobody could find what it might be. So if he never practiced medicine, mm. uh, how did he have... Uh uh, how revenue. Did how did he make his money? Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> I think he had a little bit of money, and his wife had money oh, okay. left to them, and they moved to New Hampshire at a good time, I guess. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, how old was he when he was murdered? He was uh, 68, I believe. I'd have to check that figure, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, considered a senior citizen at the time. At the time. At the time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Not anymore, though. No. No. <laughs> 68 is young. Right. Uh, but uh, at any rate, a, a fascinating story. And so, you know, you have all the documents, and you, you said it was like putting a, a huge puzzle together, right. mm-hmm. but not being able to see what you were actually trying to put together. Right. And, and so to put things in chronological order— from the documents and the newspaper clippings you had and, and what have you. I mean, that, that had to take years, right? I, I will, I'd spent one week literally going through a box of newspaper clippings and just putting them in chronological order. Yeah, I can imagine. So I could follow the trial, the grand jury, uh, the investigation. So filed a whole lot of Freedom of Information Act yeah. uh, requests with the FBI, the Naval Intelligence Office. Um, yeah, there was an awful lot of uh, just gathering of information and, and, then, uh, and then collecting it together. And just fascinating things because you would rem- I remember as I was going through a newspaper article and I'd remember something that I had read in the grand jury transcript. So then yeah. I'd go back and look at that and that would remind me of some testimony I'd seen somewhere else. You yeah. know? So slowly all the 
the pieces it's sort of started to fit come yeah together right. yeah right yeah so what what about the the style I mean we know you know some newspaper style these days and mm-hmm. how things are are written and of course it depends on sometimes the political slant of that particular sure. newspaper mm-hmm. uh, things are written differently for example in the Boston Globe than they are in the Boston Herald uh, right. let's say but we'll we'll pick up on that because I can hear the music right <laughs> yeah be still my hips folks and we will be back with uh, more Ken Sheldon a.k.a. Fred Marple. We're talking about the book Deep Water, Murder, Scandal, and Intrigue in a New England town, Jaffrey, New Hampshire. Right here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 1019 FM in Manchester, and nhtalkradio.com. Welcome back. It's Kale and Company live here on WKXL. All of its platforms... 1450 AM, station that's been around for 76, 77 years. Actually, a couple of years, you know, older than me, huh? Uh, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in the greater Manchester area. If you're downtown Manchester, I'm telling you, this signal booms into downtown Manchester. Our, our guest today is another Ken, Ken Sheldon, and a.k.a. Fred Marple. We'll talk about that in a little while, but uh, some fascinating stuff here tonight from Ken's uh, new book, Deep Water, Murder, Scandal, and Intrigue in a New England Town. That New England Town was Jeffrey, New Hampshire. And Ken, uh, we were talking about uh, before the break about the different slants, the different theories on, on this murder and how different uh, publications would have a different slant on it, similar to today. And, sure. Yeah, and so how did that work back yeah. in uh, 1918? Well, one of the suspects was uh, Dean's uh, perhaps closest friend, uh, Mr. Charles Rich, who was the uh, uh, manager of the local Monadnock Bank at the time, and uh, he was also the judge in the town, and he was pretty powerfully connected politically, and uh, especially with the, the Keene, uh, New Hampshire uh, area. And um, so the, the Keene newspaper tended to be a very strong supporter of him and played down any suspicions against him, whereas other papers like the Boston American and uh, uh, some other Boston papers and even maybe Concord were more uh, pointing the finger at him as a possible suspect. So you can read the articles, and some of the articles in the Keene paper look like they were written by his publicity, Mr. Uh, uh, Rich's publicity manager or something. Wow. So, yeah, there was, uh, depending on, and the other thing is papers, uh, there was a little bit of perhaps yellow journalism going on uh, with the Boston papers because they were trying to build up Circulation, so yep, they would kind yep. of highlight the the possibility that there was a German spy angle to this, because of course that would get more readership. Sure, wow! Yeah. So they were fierce competitors even back in nineteen eighteen. Even, even then, what, right? So things have not changed no, all that much, have they? No, and different slants too. Uh, I mean, depending on on their uh, perspective. Uh, but I, I would imagine it was a little different up here because there wasn't perhaps that keen competition among, I don't no pun intended, keen competition <laughs> right. uh, between the papers in New Hampshire because they were, you know, in Keene and Manchester, Concord, wherever. Well, yeah. the odd thing is that the local papers actually didn't cover it all that much. Is that right? And in well, part, I think, because they wanted it, their, the 
people that had influence with them wanted it to go away. Wow. It was the yeah. Boston Papers, specifically the Boston American, uh-huh. uh, that kind of made a big deal out of it. So and, it, was, and, it was a scandal sheet even back then, right? Back then, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Record yes. American, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so they, it, that surprises me now that you say that uh, very little coverage in New Hampshire, but we wanted to stay they almost pristine, got, right? They almost uh, got shamed into it um, by yeah. the Boston Papers. Yeah. And the fact that the murder, again, it happened, and then nobody was indicted. There was a grand jury. The grand jury you know, came back with uh, that the, it was, he was murdered by person or persons unknown. Well, everybody knew that. That wasn't any big surprise. And then yeah. after that, it kind of went away until a Boston reporter named Bert Ford came back from World War I and uh, was told, go up to New Hampshire and investigate this case. He came up. He started digging. And he blew the thing up again and brought it to public consciousness. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So how long was it really a news Item. How long did the press coverage continue? Only back then? at the the first wave was only a few months after his death, and then mm-hmm. it kind of went away. And and when this reporter came up from Boston to talk to the county solicitor in Keene, the solicitor literally said to him, "Haven't you guys gotten over this yet? There was a grand jury. We don't know who did it. It's it's a done deal." Well, it wasn't a done deal, and there was a second wave of, of real interest based on all these articles that this guy was writing down in Boston. Wow. What a fascinating story. Now, uh, during the commercial break, you, you mentioned that something happened the night before the murder. The, the day of his murder, uh, Mr. Dean met with a woman uh, named uh, Mrs. Morrison, who was a wealthy lady from Peterborough who also had a home in Boston and was very well connected and asked her if she knew anybody in what he think he said was the Secret Service, but he actually meant the, the Bureau of Investigation. And uh, she did and asked her to get in contact and have them send somebody up because he had some very important information for the government. He couldn't tell her what it was, he said, because it was too dangerous for a woman to know, which sounds like chauvinism, but given what happened to him later that night, <laughs> yeah. he was pretty close to the mark, and that night he was murdered. Uh, and we never found out exactly what it was he was planning to tell the government. Wow. Boy, so the intrigue continues. Right. And, uh, and still uh, an unsolved murder here in, in, the, uh, in the state of, of New right. Hampshire. Uh, but uh, I, now with the, with the Boston Papers, the, uh, the Record American, what was it called at the time? Boston, Boston American. Uh, Boston American. American. Then it became the, the Record American. Uh, years later, uh, but the Boston American were they sold, uh, circulated in New Hampshire? At oh all? yeah, they sure. were. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if they had any any presence in New Hampshire, right. but yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. yeah. And uh, so they really kept it alive more they than the New brought Hampshire it, brought papers. It back to and life. brought it back to Literally. life too, right? Uh, uh, as it were. Yeah. Uh, but just uh, just a fascinating story. Now, you originally did this, as you mentioned, as a play. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where did you have? Where was the play? Uh, we did it in uh, the Jaffrey Center Meeting House, about a mile or two away from where Dean was murdered, and then I did it at the Peterborough Players Theater, and I also did it at the New Hampshire uh, Historical Society in Concord, uh-huh. and uh, I think I might have done it one other place. Yeah, yeah, I did it in a few places. 
and I will and I will be doing it again. Uh, oh, you will. I was going to next year. Say in Jaff- Jaffrey's having the 275th anniversary, so I'll be doing it again at the brand new Park Theater in ah. beautiful downtown Jaffrey. Wow, new theater in Jaffrey. Beautiful, huh? yes. Yeah, wow, uh, that that is terrific. Ken Sheldon is our guest, author of uh, Deep Water Murder Scandal and Intrigue in New Hampshire, specifically uh, Jaffrey, uh, New Hampshire. And uh, this this story, though, I mean, it has captured the imagination uh, for generations now. Right. Yeah. It split the town of Jaffrey in two. There were yeah. literally people would cross the street, so they didn't have to run into people who disagreed with them on this murder and who was responsible. Is for that it. right? Mm-hmm. Wow. So even it, up until recently, and and I and I feel pretty proud of the fact that this. Uh, play that I did, which involved a lot of townspeople providing voiceovers. It was kind of uh-huh. like a Ken Burns uh, yeah, documentary. Sure, yeah. And it really kind of brought the town together. So we did this together as a community yeah. and, and I think brought a little bit of healing to, uh, to this discord over the Dean murder that had gone on for uh, literally decades and decades. Wow. So uh, I, I know you, you probably have built up a, a consensus uh, in your mind as to who actually did it. Uh, That's the first question I asked when I, people found out I was writing a book, they would, yeah. they would lean in and say, who did it? Yeah, I'm sure. And yeah. uh, what I can say is that I, in the, the book, I have a kind of a theory that I put forth, I'm not saying this is what happened, I'm saying this is what might have happened that fits all of the facts that we now know. And from there, I'll leave it to people to decide whether I make a compelling case or not. Mm. So how many, uh, you know, you've mentioned, you know, quite a few of the suspects. Uh, mm-hmm. Anybody else fall into that category as a suspect? There were a few other people, but they weren't, and I cover this at the end of the book and in the appendix, uh, they were um, a, a couple of other people whose names were dropped, but they really weren't credible witnesses or sus- suspects, rather. They were people that I, I think were introduced to, sort of throw chaff into the <laughs> the radar screen, you know, yeah. and draw attention away from other people. But the three main ones were his wife, Mrs. Dean, his friend, Charles Rich, yeah. and this tenant who lived on his um, farm, Lawrence Colfeld. Those were the big three in terms of suspects. Yeah, and, and, and one of them, uh, supposedly a German spy, perhaps. Huh? Right, yeah. right, yeah. So that added to the intrigue. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. wow. I mean, it is just a fascinating story, and I'm sure there are a lot of people in New Hampshire who probably have never heard of it, but they have now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a uh, fascinating book. Uh, can't wait to read it. It's called uh, Deep Water, Murder, Scandal, and Intrigue in a New England town. It's only been out uh, for a couple of weeks. What kind of feedback are you getting, especially from the people in Jaffrey and uh, uh, vicinity? I'm getting very good feedback, Ken. Uh, people seem really interested to, to read it and have uh, responding that they enjoyed it very much. And uh, so it's it's very gratifying. And uh, I, I'm sure it has to be. And we'll talk more about it. We have another break uh, coming up here on Kale & Company Live. My guest, Ken Sheldon a.k.a. Fred Marple. But Ken is the author of uh, Deep Water, Murder, Scandal, and Intrigue in a New England Town. Just out, and you're listening to WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in the Concord area, 101.9 in Manchester, and nhtalkradio.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Kale and Company Live. Great to have you along with us. 
Our guest, Ken Sheldon. Ken, the author of the book, just out. Deep Water, Murder, Scandal, and Intrigue in a New England Town. And we say just out just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, how is this book available, Ken? Uh, people can find it at uh, any bookstore. Uh, most of the local bookstores will have it in stock or can order it. And I highly recommend your local independent bookstore. There you go. Um, yep. Because we, we love those bookstores. But you can also find it online at any of the online uh, sellers. Uh, yeah, should be available. Easy to find. And well, uh, we hope so. It's, uh, it's, it's a good one. And I know you're going to be uh, making the rounds and uh, doing some readings right. uh, from the book. The launch will actually, the official launch will happen on July 9th in Jaffrey at the uh, Civic Center because the, uh, the Jaffrey Historical Society helped support the, the writing of this book. And then I'll be doing a, a reading on July 30th at um, the Monadnock Center for History and Culture, a wonderful organization in uh, uh, downtown Peterborough. Uh, I'll also be at uh, the Historical Society of Cheshire County in Keene, another great organization, uh, on August 17th. And then a few other, I'll uh, be doing libraries. And uh, basically, any, if you're out there in radio land and you want me to come talk about my book, I'd love to do it. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a fascinating story. You know, I never asked you, uh, what happened to uh, his wife, to, to Mr. Dean's wife? Um, she was put in a sanitarium for a short period of time, and the doctor said basically there was no reason for her to be there. That's a kind of an interesting story as to why she was put there. She came back. She lived with a local minister in uh, Jaffrey for a while, and she passed away about a year later. Ah, okay. After the what? What time of year was was the murder? The murder was on August thirteenth, nineteen eighteen. A hot, hot summer night. Um, that's one thing that people remember, and uh, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot about the time of year and whether the moon was shining. There's yeah. big big parts about was it a full moon? Yeah, a full moon or not? You know, <laughs> yeah. so but it was a hot summer night when he was murdered. Hot summer night in Jaffrey. Right. Well, again, a fascinating read. Uh, deep water murder scandal intrigue. In a New England town. So, uh, Ken, I almost called you Fred, but Ken, uh, what what is next on your agenda? I'm I'm working on other pro- writing projects and uh, going around talking about this book and uh, doing a few shows. I, I do music for kids. I've got a, just did one show. I got a couple of those lined up. I do still do occasional performances as Fred Marple, the yeah. Yankee humorist, but mostly taking the time to uh, work on. Uh, future writing projects, which I'll, I'll be back to talk to you about then. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. So Fred Marple, for those who aren't familiar, is a Yankee humorist, if you will. And how did that character come about? I'll tell you the truth. Uh, my dad was working uh, as a business manager at a church camp in Jaffrey. And a lady came in one time to the office, and she was a visitor there. She was staying at, and she said, "I keep seeing signs for this town of frost heaves, but I, I never come. To, where is this town?" Well, my dad was laughing so hard that he could barely respond, and that was one of his favorite stories. And uh, so he told me that story, and I, I started making up stories about the town of Frost Tees, New Hampshire. And then we started to do a, we did a variety show for a bunch of years called Frost Tees uh, with a band and actors and kind of based on Prairie Home Companion. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
For that, I decided I, this, the town needed a spokesman, so that's how we came up with Fred Marple, the unofficial representative of the town of Frost Chief, New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. Mainly because he didn't have anything else to do. He was the only person in town without a real job. <laughs> and uh, you've got a book out, don't you, Frost Chiefs? Frost Chiefs. Uh, yeah. It's called Welcome to Frost Chiefs, yeah. published by Island Port Press, also available at your local independent yeah. bookstore or online. And possibly another one coming out, a, a sequel to that, because the first one did very well. Uh, I'm, I, I'm sure that it did, because people love the down-home Yankee, Yankee humor. Hum. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> you do that very, very well. You've done it uh, a few times before. Come by. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're still going around and, and – uh, uh, as Fred Marple, I once just, in a while. just did a show yeah. up at the Barnstormers Theater up in uh, Tamworth, oh, New yeah, Hampshire. Yeah. And let me put a plug in for the Barnstormers Theater and the Peterborough Players Theater sure. and the Park Theater in Jaffrey, New Hampshire. Now, that's uh, new, you said. It's brand new, uh, yeah. fair, fair, relatively new, beautiful facility in downtown Jaffrey uh, and uh, in a spot that Dr. Dean visited on the night he was murdered. But wow. now there's this beautiful theater there. But these are wonderful uh, institutions that we have and the Peterborough Players and the Barnstormers Barnstormers Theater have got great summer uh, theater programs going on, so I really encourage people to, to get out and see a, see a play this summer. Yeah, now, now, Tamworth is one of the older summer theaters anywhere, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah, some consider it the, the, the oldest uh, summer theater in the country. 1931 they wow. started. And Tamworth is just, you know, if you were to create a theme park called Yankee Land, it would be Tamworth. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful yeah. little town. It, it is. It, 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 it yeah. very much is. Now, the new theater in Jaffrey, the Park Theater, mm -hmm. uh, what uh, what are they uh, doing? Well, they, they do all kinds of things. Movies. Uh, I've performed there as Fred Marple. Uh, they've got has, uh, bands. Uh, so... Yeah, it's a multi uh, multi kind of functional uh, or uh, place. They can do they can do dances there if they want to. Yeah. It's an amazing facility. If you're ever in Jaffrey, I recommend anybody stop by and, and yeah. check it out or go to their website. But they first run movies and oh. special special events, and all kinds of things going on. So it's it's really great. Good for the town of Jaffrey. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I'll have to uh, yeah. have to check it out and remember that's where uh, Mr. Dean uh, visited. Right, not right. too long before Walks his. Timely death. Walk the very sidewalk yeah. that you would walk. <laughs> <laughs> in the beautiful downtown Jaffrey. Mm -hmm. And I'm not kidding about that. It is right. beautiful. Yes. It's not like beautiful downtown Burbank, which which <laughs> right. isn't so beautiful. But right. beautiful downtown Jaffrey uh, is. And, and that uh, entire uh, area mm -hmm. that was torn apart by this murder mm -hmm. in 1918. I was just thinking, because I know the Red Sox, you know, they uh, won the World Series in right. 1918 and didn't win another one until 2004. Right. Uh, I was just wondering what time of the year uh, that was. So it was certainly during uh, the baseball You're season. Right. There yeah. you go. Yeah. There you go. For, yeah, for, for the Red Sox. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, Ken, it's been uh, an honor to have you here, and uh, you're, I, I know you're a great storyteller, so this book is going to be fascinating to read, and, and folks, when you do read it, and I know you will after this interview tonight, uh, you know, you think about all the time it took to research, to put this together, make all the pieces fit uh, for this uh, story, Deep Water, Murder, Scandal, and Intrigue in a New England Town. And Ken, just remind the folks again where you're going to be reading from the book. Uh, July 9th in uh, Jaffrey, New Hampshire, July 30th in Peterborough, New Hampshire, and August 17th 
in uh, Keene, New Hampshire, and a few other places. Folks can go to my website, kensheldon.com, and I've got a list of all the places I'll be speaking All the there. events. Where, yeah. where are you going to be? Right. All, all over the state and beyond, and right? Be, in, to infinity and beyond. Yeah, right. yeah. And right. I imagine uh, certainly in that area, in the Monadnock region, there's uh, a lot of interest in this there book. There is. There yeah. is, Yes. They're flying off the shelves. <laughs> they at, actually are. At the local. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised. I am not uh, not a bit surprised. Well, Ken, you were our inaugural guest. Well, honored in, in, to be in here. In our first uh, uh, Kale and Company live here on WKXL. Wonderful to be here and, with you, Ken. Thank and you. I know you'll be back. Thank you. And uh, your door is always open for you. Wonderful. I uh, love, love having you on. Ken Sheldon, and again, kensheldon.com, right? If you right. want to uh, find out more about uh, what Ken is up to, uh, that's the place to go. So what we're up to is that uh, we're going to be back on with you tomorrow evening at uh, 6 o'clock, live here on WKXL and all of its platforms, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, 101.9 FM in Manchester. That's the newest signal. And, uh, Ken, I'm telling you, and uh, 1019, uh, when you leave, you put, gonna, it, put it on, and you can see how far you can take it. I'm going to see how far it lasts yeah. when I drive home. That's yeah, a great signal, as as is uh, 1039, and, of course, uh, 1450. But you can always get us, no matter where you are in the free world, uh, any time of day on uh, nhtalkradio.com. So we'll be back with you uh, tomorrow at, uh, at 6 p.m., Friday again at uh, 6 p.m., and then... Starting next Tuesday, the 5th of July, we're going to be live every morning on WKXL from 8 to 9 a.m. So on your way to work, you'll be able to listen to Kale and Company Live. We'll have a lot of good things uh, on the program, lots of uh, great guests like Ken was uh, tonight. Talk about a wide variety of topics and issues and uh, you know we will talk politics but uh, it's not going to be a strictly uh, politics show we'll get into uh, everything the local sports scene we'll have fellow uh, broadcasters on health experts we'll have automotive advice uh, and uh, and a whole lot more and uh, as always we appreciate your input and uh, you can reach me on twitter at kale and company if you have any uh, comments, views, ideas, opinions about uh, what we're doing, we would certainly appreciate that. But right now, we've just got to uh, mosey on out of here. And uh, Ken, again, thanks so much for being here today. We appreciate it. And we'll be back tomorrow night at 6 with another outstanding program here. Kale and Company Live, 1450 WKXL, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, and as always, at nhtalkradio.com. Have a good night, everybody.